It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. I want to ask you before, we've talked about our topics and what we're going to get into and, and what the, the Dubcast is going to look like. I just want to know, Andy, how are you doing? How's life? Are you enjoying the snow? Are you enjoying the cold and the winter that has actually come to Columbus, Ohio? Are you enjoying that? I, I had to laugh. Uh, you know, I must admit, for a guy who spent 10 years of my life on radio talking about the weather and how it affects agriculture and farming <laughs> yeah. every day, I pay almost no attention to the weather these days. I mean, as far as like, <laughs> I don't pick up my phone in the morning and look at the weather app or anything like that. I just look out the window. I'm like, Oh, it's raining. I'll put on a coat. Oh, it's snowing. I'll put on some gloves. I, I just don't care, I guess, enough to pay attention to the weather. Right. I, haven't, I haven't reached that stage of middle age where I stay up to watch the weather guy on television or anything like that. But uh, we were, we were doing something over the weekend and somebody said, Oh, you guys stocked up for, you know, the big storm that's coming in. I'm like, uh, I didn't know there was a storm coming. But I, thought, <laughs> I bought. Should I have? I, I bought bread, milk, and eggs. It's going to be the at, purge uh, version of snow. Like, like I bought Greg, you know, milk, bread, and eggs at the store this morning. Does that count as being prepared for the, the weather? Like it's a good thing my wife put those on the grocery list, I guess. And we went. It was so funny because that night we were. Uh, I say we. The stunning Mrs. Vance was baking, and realized we were we were down to like the last cup of flour, and she wanted yeah. to do some more baking because we did the whole sourdough starter thing at the beginning of quarantine. And, okay. Uh, that the now ten months later, so so the little tyke and I made the starter as like a little science project, you know, because I yeah, had yeah, yeah. At, at that time, uh, Which first it is. Grader, you know, now she's second Baking grade science. Right. Well, and so, you know, friends, if you didn't get on the sourdough bandwagon, you know, a year ago, um, all we did, we, we found an old box of raisins in the back of the cupboard. Like, I think everybody probably has a couple of old boxes of sun-made raisins, like jammed in the back of a cupboard somewhere. We just <laughs> like put them in a jar with water, stirred them around and let them sit for a few days. And then you start adding flour to the the raisin water and so what what apparently happens is you know there's yeast all over the outside of those raisins yeah. so the the water you know, kind of knocks the yeasties off and then you feed them with the flour and then eventually you pick the raisins out of the paste and chuck them and that that paste you got becomes sourdough starter right so we've been feeding and uh, every week so because we don't need to bake something every single day she keeps the starter in the refrigerator she pulls it out on the weekend discards you know whatever feeds it and does all that sort of thing and uh, mm -hmm. you know we get some fresh baked goods every weekend which is pretty amazing so i went back to the grocery store because we were down to the last cup of flour and had some sourdough that we needed to bake and you know <laughs> they were down to like their last four bags of flour <laughs> i said okay oh of apparently, course yeah. apparently everybody stocked up for the yeah, white man. death that was coming uh i just it's missed like five inches it's not that bad it's just you know whatever it's it's, it's a <laughs> So is it just me or like, have we as Ohioans gotten really like, uh, away from our roots as part of the frigid North? <laughs> because I think about this every winter, like we complain about the weather and the snow and we drive badly in it and all this sort of thing. And I think to myself, we're not in green Bay. You know, yeah. we're not in no, this isn't, this isn't <laughs> Buffalo. This isn't, you know, we're not getting four feet of snow, which by the way, shout out to our good friend, Ramsey, who's apparently dealing with somewhere North of like 30 Did he say inches. 17 inches or something like that. I said, no, well, no, he said it was originally 17 inches. And then they said they bumped up to like 28. And so, <laughs> what are we doing? So we there's doing a bona fide here? blizzard in New England, and they're dealing with that crap. And we're going, oh god, five or six inches. I just, I love snow. I love the cold. I think we handle the cold all right. I Columbus, 
is not in one of those snow belts. We, ironically, I think Southern Ohio gets more snow than Columbus does, and obviously Northern Ohio does. It's just because of the way these fronts move through. And so when we get four or five inches, we're like, oh my God, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But I, I like it. I'm enjoying it. I have not abandoned my roots as a uh, member of the North. So I, you know, I, I'm, I'm liking it. And hopefully, and I actually looked at the forecast, hopefully we're going to get a little, it's going to get a little <laughs> colder. Uh, I think next maybe week or so you're looking at lows below zero. So let's, let's giddy up on that. I'm excited. Um, hot chocolate and let's roll. Yeah. So I'm cool with that. And another thing I'm cool about Ohio state men's basketball, which always gets the short shrift, right? We always give it the short end of the stick as football season is going. And then we all of a sudden just discover this amazing sport that apparently was existing underneath our noses. As soon as the last you know bowl game was played, we're like oh, Ohio state basketball. Oh my gosh. Really fun to watch. Obviously this is a team, uh, you know, that is starting to get a little bit more love nationally. And maybe that's the first question that I have, right? Because you see Ohio state, they go out, they have a really good win um everything looks hunky-dory they they've they've what won six of their last seven things are looking good they look super deep they're now going to be i believe ranked ahead of the iowa team that they're going to be playing here in a little bit are you are you buying the hype andy vance do you feel that with a combination of seth towns giving some really quality minutes zed key you know botting dudes in the inside um, you know, Justice Suing putting together a bunch of minutes and points and Liddell putting up, you know, around 20 a night. Do you think this is legitimate, not just top 10 team, but like middle tier top 10 team that could like challenge for even a top five spot? They're legit. I am all aboard the hype train and I'm ready to ride it all the way to the final four, my friend. It, it, it's, <laughs> Uh, this team That's is confidence. Good. That's look, really confidence. I appreciate that. Look, I've, I've been uh, a stand for Chris Holtman almost since day one. Uh, and, and while I understood, you know, why in past seasons, people have had some, had some nits to pick with him and sir, sure, sure. You know, no, no coach is, uh, without flaws. I mean, look, even tournament Tom Izzo, uh, has a down year and he's certainly having one this year, but I, yeah. I gotta say, you know, I feel like there, there have been a couple points over the past few years where people are like, all right, you know, Holtman, uh, you know, it's, it's time to start to see these guys perform at a, at a high level consistently. You look at last season, they started the year like a house of fire, December 29th, they lose to the West Virginia Mountaineers and go on this horrible skid throughout the month of January. Yeah. And then actually he finished with a pretty respectable February and, and into tournament season, who knows what would have happened tournament season. We'll never know all, all that to say, look at this year, this January, night and day different look at how much better we feel about this basketball team today than we did a year ago today right. and part of it is and i gotta i gotta shout out to my guy colin Hass Hill, speaking of the west virginia mountaineers colin <laughs> uh colin did a great job over the weekend of um talking about how deep this team is and that's one of the things yes. that makes it really different than than previous iterations not just of holtman's teams but you've got serious minutes being played for almost everybody on the roster and and legitimate minutes and you could say you know this is a group of of role players and there aren't a bunch of lottery picks on here but the thing i love about them is each one of those guys knows what his strengths are uh look at look at look at arns as an example i mean you know what the guy went how many games before he shot a two point 
field goal. Like, I mean, we were I think he shot like, like literally two all two season field goals all season. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, that guy, I, mean, I had to laugh uh, the game there over the weekend. I think it was the Sparty game and he gets fouled and goes up and he misses two out of his three uh, free throws. I'm like, dude, <laughs> right. dude can shoot the lights out from behind the arc, but you put him at the charity stripe, you know, it's, uh, it, but there again, you know, these guys, the guys have bought into the program. They know what they're capable of. They're playing with a ton of confidence and they're so deep that even when somebody um, is, is not hitting the shots, there's three other guys who, who can go in there and make it work. And you'd like to see some improvement from, you know, here and there and, uh, yeah. you'd like to see some better minutes out of a few guys, uh, but, but I feel like they're deep enough. They've got enough talent at the top end. They, they can make it happen. I'm, I'm all aboard the hype train. What about you? I really think the depth is what is most entertaining to me about this Ohio state men's basketball team. It's not, it's not so much that I wanted a big marquee star. You don't necessarily need like an Evan Turner or soldier or something like that. I really like the idea that you can rotate in and you're not going to have like a bad shift. You know what I mean? It's like in hockey, right? Where you've got a line, you know, maybe you've got three solid lines, but then you've got a couple lines. You're like, Oh my God, we just got to hope that they don't score, you know, like five goals during this shift. I, you don't have that with this basketball team. They can rotate people in and out and, and you feel like they're going to maintain that momentum you know, part of it is, I think when you're playing Michigan State, that there's this historical expectation that it's going to be a tough game no matter what, right? Just because it's Tom Izzo and obviously he's a legendary coach and Michigan State's usually very good. Ohio State winning by 17 points and kind of just like lollygagging through mm-hmm. the last half of the, you know, the second half, that is... I think makes an impression on Ohio state fans who are like, wow, this is a team who clearly wasn't, you know, they didn't really have to try that hard. They didn't have to put everything into that last part of the game because they were that much better than Michigan state. And again, Michigan state is not good this year. They are bad. They are legitimate, not good team, but it does speak to the depth of Ohio state. And like you said, there's always somebody who can step up and replace some minutes, some points, whatever that may not be coming from a specific player. Washington may not look great, right? On a given day. And, and that, that may happen more often than not. But then you've got a number of dudes who can come off the bench. Towns, for example, who's not going to give you a ton of minutes, but will be incredibly efficient in that time. You know, we talk up Zed Keelock because he's funny and he does the finger guns, but he's really good at the interior and clogging up the middle and, and being that defensive presence and getting some buckets. I just, there's a lot to like about a team that has so many interchangeable parts. And Mm -hmm. that's what I really like watching because it feels like on every possession, somebody else could do something cool. So I'm having a lot of fun watching this team. I don't know how they'll perform against, um, you know, when they've got to go up against the Michigans and the Iowas of the big 10, because that's when you're going to really see uh, what basketball is like for this team, right? Like, if you can, if you can effectively neutralize, you know, one of the best players in the country or something like that, and then go ahead and, and compete or even beat that team, then, okay, then that's a signal that you're going to make some moves in March. Right. Yeah, right. If on the other hand, you get your ass kicked a little bit by somebody who's just clearly better than everybody on your roster, mm-hmm. then maybe you've got to reevaluate expectations. But I, that's why I'm so fascinated by what the next stretch of games is going to look like for this team, because they've proven that they can be very, very good against 
poor, mediocre, and good teams. Now we get to see a little bit of what it's going to look like against the cream of the crop. And I, I'm, I'm curious about Holt, how Holtman's going to approach that. I really am. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting stretch because we're going to find out. You mentioned you'll find out how we do against uh, Iowa and Michigan. Well, Thursday's the day. We're, we're going to see what they can do against the Hawkeyes at Carver right. Hawkeye Arena, which, you know, would was uh, ad, added – factor they're playing on the road because if you look at ohio state's losses so far this season and there aren't many of them mm-hmm. but you, you you know you look at the purdue loss all right you lost by seven in west lafayette okay you 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 fast forward okay you lost on the road at northwestern by a point uh there after christmas i mean by a point so you know there's two pretty close losses right um you, you lost a stinker in, at minnesota again on the road uh, you drop that one by 17. That, that That's not great. Um, but, but Minnesota's kind of a weird place to play. And it, It's incredibly weird. Just to, I'm going to quickly interject. Minnesota has beaten the likes of like Iowa and Ohio State and some of these other teams at home. And then they've gone out and lost basically every road game. Yeah. So there's something insane going on in, in Minneapolis and that cannot be explained. And I'm not sweating that loss too much personally. And you've got now, you know, the Buckeyes are three, you know, a three game win streak. Their last loss was that, uh, that, that, that Purdue loss again, two points. So three of those four losses were what seven or less. I mean, you've got, yeah. you've had, you've had three losses by what is that a cumulative, maybe 10 points, uh, between three out of the four losses. So they, those are, this is, um, one of those things where the ball bounces a little bit the other way. And this is suddenly a one loss team we're talking about. So that's part of the reason I think you see them at number seven this week ahead of Iowa. I, I wasn't sure. I, but I thought we would see them ahead of Iowa going into this game. I actually don't want to piss off Iowa that much, frankly. Or, or, or I don't I, want you, Luca Garza getting that angry before the game. I would much rather Ohio State be a little bit behind them. But Well, and, and so there's the question. You know, It's like, all right, what's Chris Holtman's strategy going into Carver-Hawkeye? How do you shut down the best player in the country? Or or right. not shut down is the wrong word. How do you, how do you game plan around him and what he brings to the game right and that's the issue because it's not this isn't a situation like with Kofi for example at Illinois where okay we're going to put a big body we're going to get him away from the the basket we're going to limp you know lessen his impact on the game Luke Garza can do pretty much anything and that's going to be a much more difficult assignment for Ohio State defensively and I think they're a good defensive team they're they're, they're yes. active they work really hard uh you know both contesting outside shots, working on the inside. Like they, they do a lot of really good things defensively. Um, it, it's really just about how can you play against elite opponents, right? How can you play against elite opposition and, and maybe neutralize a little bit of it? And that's why to me, this, this stretch is interesting just in terms of maybe trying to project forward to March because it's like, okay, when you go into March madness, that's, that's what you're really dealing with. You're dealing with teams that have these, next level players that have kind of willed their teams forward Mm -hmm. sometimes march madness isn't always set up for a a a team that's really deep but not necessarily like super high i don't know it's going to be fascinating i'm really curious to watch this is a fun as hell team to watch in general um and i hope you know you get a guy like seth towns for example back to 100 percent that will be also a really big change in how this team is perceived because i truly believe that you know, he can get consistent minutes, continue building himself back up towards March. He's going to be one of the top, like two or three players on this team. Um, so you have that, you've got a lot of really great uh, defensive presence on the inside. Yes. You're still going to have to deal with some size issues and things like that. 
uh, against certain teams that, that that won't change but overall i'm really excited about this team i think they're a lot of fun to watch and really for again going back to what you said at the beginning of this there's so many different players who can step up at any given time justin aaron's he, the dude justin aaron's play he's got the best three-point shooting season i looked this up since 2014 2015 when mark loving of all people was hitting like 40 percent 46 percent of his threes so this is just it's something we haven't seen in a while and i'm enjoying the hell out of it yeah so i wouldn't have I, you know it's funny when you when you banded that stat out there i was like loving really really <laughs> yeah. uh it is it is seriously by the way for the people listening to this who don't believe what I'm saying. Go ahead and look up the stats. He actually shot something like 102 threes that season. He, he shot like 107 twos, and he made 46% of them. That's the best of any player who shot a significant amount of threes since that time period. It's, it's, it's wild to think about. But Ohio State hasn't had like a legitimate three-point bomber in a long time. Yeah, I mean this. I mean, like, really, I mean, Threebler, right? That's the, like the last time, right? But that's like a... what 2011, 2012? <laughs> I mean, this is—it's been a while. Yeah, since you've had like a, a guy that you just knew—that's his—that's right. his deal. That is his deal, and right. I, I enjoy it. You know, part of me—we talked about this a few episodes ago. It's the modern game of basketball, right? We're yes. not—we're—we're we're spreading the floor out and getting these guys good looks. That's the other thing that's really impressive. Uh, you've seen some of the, the advanced analytical types that uh, pop off about these things on Twitter. And I heard some of the different commentary teams mentioned it over the past couple of games. This is one of the best teams in the country at getting uh, good shots, like yes. good looks at the bucket. They're not just throwing crap up to be throwing it up. They're making smart decisions about when they take the shot. And then the other one is how efficient they've been when Holtman draws up a play. Like that was the thing. I think they were best in the big 10 um yep. at at you know efficiency coming out of a timeout and it's i mean that's that's exactly what you want but there again we're back to what we talked about earlier guys who have bought into the program who understand what they're doing playing within themselves insert other sports cliches here uh and and yeah you said it they're fun to watch winning a lot of ball games and folks if you're not on the hype train yet you've got a month uh because we're at just about the one month mark before this regular season is over february 4th thursday at iowa and that's the first of the last eight games right last regular right. season game march 6th so you've got a month to get on the hype train i'm, I'm telling you they're gonna ride it all the way to the final four. <laughs> and if they do man i, I mean that it will be a, the end of a long journey, I think, back to national prominence for Ohio State men's basketball. It always felt that Ohio State, you know, when you look at Evan Turner and Sullender and all this stuff, it's like, okay, this is where we want Ohio State to be. You don't have to win a national championship or everything. It's not the same expectations as the football team. But this is supposed to be Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four caliber team. And it feels like they've just been on the cusp of that for a long time. To be able to get to back to that stature would be super kick-ass and a lot of fun. And I, I hope this is the year, man. I really do. Because basketball is really fun to watch, and this team's fun to watch. And really, honestly, more fun to watch than a lot of years past. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping you're right, because I think that would be a really great capper to this this journey that we've been on for almost a decade at this I, point. I feel like I got to go now that I've laid that out there. I got to go put some money on this thing. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I never I never don't, bet. I'm, don't. Why? I'm, okay. Here's the thing, man. This is a, this is a secondary thing. Gambling sports gambling has become such more of a, much more of a topic of interest. I think just because it's been opened up recently, people have been much more out in the open about it. Like, yeah, I can make it. Please for love of God. Don't get, 
if you're good at it, fine. Okay. I'll quote the Simpsons by saying, you know, gambling is one of the finest things that any person can do if they're good at it. Yeah, right. Most right. people are not good at it. No, no. And and, I'm going to I'm going to tell you my gambling story because okay, this is a it. cautionary tale for all of our friends. Uh, yeah. Since this is an intimate conversation among friends that we have each week on this program. Right. So right. one of my favorite features that we've done over the years since I've been on staff at 11 Warriors is, is the House Money series where oh, of course. You know, we picked a slate of games each week, 10 games, and uh, members of the staff would then submit their picks against the spread. That's, that's all it was, you know, no, no more than that. Just, here's 10 picks against the spread, 10 games assigned each week, and then and we kept track. So I was very pleased. I think it was my... Uh, might have been the last year that we did it. I, I I did very well. I think I won that year, tied with uh, Teddy Heisman, something along those lines. Teddy's the, the he's the godfather. Um, <laughs> so, but the the moral story is, I had done so well. I decided, you know what, I'm going to have some fun with this for for fun and profit. And I took a hundred bucks at the beginning of the season. I, I banked it uh, at at uh, the legal online <laughs> book of my choice, and I said, uh-huh. um, I'm going to put ten bucks per game. It's not a huge amount of money, but 10 bucks per game. And when the hundy is gone, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not reloading. Sure. I'm not refilling. I think I got a bonus because it was the first time I'd ever, you know, like they run these promotions where you deposit a hundred bucks and we give you more or whatever along those lines. But I'm like, when this initial hundy is gone, I'm out. So I get to the end of the season and, I, and I'm actually up uh, quite a bit because I did fairly well when you account okay. for the juice and so on. I don't remember what I was up, but let's, let's say it was 50, 50 to hundred bucks. Right. Yeah. So I'm feeling so good. And I think that was the year that Ohio state was in the Rose bowl. And I'm like, I know Ohio state is going to win this Rose bowl. So oh, yeah. I pushed all my chips into the middle of the table on the Rose bowl game. And that's the one where they just failed to cover by like what two points or something <laughs> dumb like that. Like, and they were in position. I don't remember the details of the game, but I remember like saying very bad things about urban Meyer that they didn't <laughs> like close that one out, uh, and, and cover the spread because it cost and me my, and the moral of the story is if I had just cashed out my chips at the end of the season, right. And not been like, Oh, let's go all in on the Rose bowl. That'll be great. <laughs> but see, that's the problem though, because then you get sucked into like the prop bets. And you're like, oh, okay, like plus, you know, plus minus. Let's see what the margins are. The, the more intricate you get into it, the worse it's going to be for you. I mean, well, just, you, know, you know, nothing will ever top the one hundred thousand dollar presidential power parlay that no, we did. When I true. first started reading the site, you know, and I I never had the cojones to go and actually throw out like a five or ten team parlay because I'm like <laughs> I, I know I'm going to get rolled on this. I had to right. look because uh, you know back to the the start of this segue into degenerate gambling uh, was Final Four favorites and Ohio State. According to this first Google search result, I found. Uh, now like plus six seventy five something along those lines um, okay. to make the final four. So hey, you know, hmm, <laughs> looks hmm. looks kind of good. Doesn't hmm. look too bad. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I get the impulse. <laughs> I get the impulse. I just am atrociously bad at at figuring out what's going to happen at all in sports ever. So I've I've kind of made the, my peace with the idea that I will never do this because it will never work out well. Yeah, it's a terrible idea. Um, Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> um. So that's like I said, all of that's really fun and exciting to watch. You've got basically a month left to see how you want to position yourself emotionally for March Madness, I guess. And that should be a lot of fun. Um, one team not being able to participate in that is, of course, Ohio State women's basketball, which has looked really good as of late, but they have also uh, self-imposed postseason sanctions in addition to a, a number of other sports because of like impermissible benefits and things like that. 
Um, here's the thing, man. And I come from a family that is pretty, pretty well steeped in, in basketball lore, including women's basketball lore. Like my, my godfather, one of my uncles is uh, in the Ohio, like sports hall of fame for being a basketball coach. I've got another like cousin who's a really great basketball coach and won a state championship, all this other stuff. Um, I want to get excited about women's basketball and it sucks because a, obviously you're not going to be able to see this team in the postseason, and B it feels like there's just this limiter right on, on teams like Ohio state where you're like, it's hard for me to excited because I, I can't see the future beyond Baylor or whatever the marquee opponents are going to be because they have such a lock on that top tier. And I almost wonder if this is kind of what it's like being a fan of like, Tennessee or Northwestern in football. You know what I mean? Like where you're a football fan and you're like, I would love it if this team could make the playoff and you just know it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen because you're not going to be at that point. It's uh, it's interesting following sports other than football and basketball at our university, because I think our football fandom, especially sort of colors the way we look at every other sport. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. And, and I, you know, I, I, this came home to me early, not that you should ever read the comments, um, especially on Facebook. Don't, don't ever (laughs) do that. But uh, you know, I posted a story. We're going to talk about the wrestling team later. Um, but I posted a story on the weekend about Ohio state's, uh, wrestling meet. And it was funny, um, because like one of the first comments on the story on our Facebook page was something like, well, you know, now Ohio State needs to do that in football next season. And and somebody like laid in, like people just got went at each other in the comments <laughs> because the story is about wrestling. It doesn't have anything to do with football. Like who, sure. you know, but in the person made like this really big stretch into football, and somebody was like, you know, this is why our fans are the worst because <laughs> we put everything through the lens of football. But so to the story of basketball here, like this women's basketball team is really good. Uh yeah. you know, look at you've handed number 12 Michigan number seven Maryland their first losses of the season rocketed up to first place in the big 10 road victory over number 16 Indiana so that's three ranked wins and as many tries uh next game would be versus Northwestern again a ranked opponent so and and I thought uh, Kevin made a great point in the skull session this morning like this is a very different women's team because like we were talking about with the men there's a good bit of depth here like right. the whole starting rotation is giving you meaningful minutes um, and, and they're just picking teams apart. I, I'm really frustrated for these women that they're not going to be able to compete for a tournament title this year, basically because some players who aren't with the program anymore got harassed by a coach who was no longer with the program. Like there's just something horribly wrong about that. Like the injustice of it all is, is pretty awful. And, and by the way, the injustice would be pretty awful even if they weren't going to play for a national title, but the fact that you've got a team that is beating top 10 and 15 programs left and right, and are going to just be left out of the dance really stinks. Yeah, no, it, it does. And you always want to be part of the postseason. You always want to be part of the conversation, right? Like that's, that's the whole thing that that's what generates momentum in sports. You don't want to be left out and it sucks. I mean, you want, especially if you're an Ohio State fan of, of all sports, you want them to be able to be in that conversation. And that's really kind of the goal is, you know, complete Ohio State hegemony over all sports forever. Yes. And when you can't, and we should be number one in everything. Frustrated. So, yeah, it's 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 annoying. And especially when you've got a team and, and Ohio State women's basketball, we've had some really great individual players right over the seasons, over the years. 
and to see him kind of put it together at, at the worst possible time really just kind of blows um another thing i want to say real quick this is not really related but one of the things i was thinking about uh maybe in terms of players that you're watching and you want them to do well and all that kind of stuff. And, and they've had obviously the, uh, you know, the senior bowl and all that kind of going on. How do you feel about the enormous amount of crap that one tough Borland has been taking nationally <laughs> basically for his, both his practices, because they've been watching those and broadcasting, you know, scenes from that. And then uh, maybe his play or whatever. Although I think, you know, all of the linebackers, a lot of the Ohio state representatives in the senior bowl did great, including tough Borland. Do you feel do you feel personally offended as I do that he's been taking a ton of heat? Because I almost I, I know his limitations. He's not good in coverage. We know that he's bad in coverage. I just I can't help but get pretty salty when I see other people pointing it out. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I feel like my guy has been taking crap from people the whole time he's been on this team. You know, he's right. He's and he's like, good at stuff. Here's the thing. He's very bad at some things. He's also very good at other things. The dude can generate tackles for loss. He can attack the point of, uh, uh, you know, of uh, the rushing game. Like he's really great at shutting down dudes in the interior of the line as they're trying to run. There are some things he's very good at that he excels at, but he's like bad in some things. And I think people are, are saying that's his entire game and it's not. And, and to take that a step further, you know, when you look at players even in this modern NFL where the, everybody's a, a genetic freak and, and right. has these insane abilities, like there are just very few players who are phenomenal at every single snap that they play, you know, every single phase of the game. Like it's just, you have guys who make very lengthy, lucrative careers in the NFL doing a very specific set of things and they yes. fit into a system or they fit into a program or they fit into a, a unit because they're very good at this and say so, okay you know you guys that are uh you know, we're, we're first second down guys you guys are third fourth down guys whatever it is so that's that's what i look at i think you know he's been taking crap from people part of it you know it's that um he's the slow white guy kind of kind of mentality that people look at him like, Oh yeah, you know, he's slow. He can't make And some of those plays where you watch. Yeah. He got smoked by a wide receiver or whatever. Cause that's not what he's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Doing, you know? And so this is one of those things where the beauty pageant that is the period between the national championship game and the NFL comp, uh, draft, uh, you know, gets a little wonky for me because I think the people actually know what they're talking about. And I'm not necessarily one of them are going to look at him and they're, they're already going to know they're going to have seen the film and right. the fact that he's getting clowned on in some one-on-one -on -one drills it isn't going to matter a damn I uh i and and likewise you know when he goes and runs uh a suboptimal 40 nobody's going to care because they've seen the film and they know okay this is what he does and if i need a guy that does that i'm going to be happy to have him on my roster because right. he's going to be the guy that's going to work and and you're not going to have to worry about it he's going to do He's going to do what you know he's going to do. Like it's a it's a known quantity. Right. I understand clowning on a dude if it's like okay, this guy's projected as a first rounder, and then they can't make plays in coverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. you know what I mean? Like or right. They can't, and that, can't just say that. Yeah. That's right. right. That's fine if you want to rip a dude, but no one is projecting Tough Borland as a you know top one or two or three round pick. I mean, this guy is a marginal pick, and that's fine. But that's who he is, and like you said, that he would not be expected to be guarding. You know, like. I don't know. He's not, he's not going out there trying to get Tyreek Smith in coverage, right? He's not trying to run down dudes. It's not going to happen. Gonna that's happen. fine. He, he has his game and that'll be, that'll be it. Um, you know, he had a really great and productive uh, 
college football career. And, you know, if there's a team out there that wants to be able to stuff the run on certain downs and maybe, it, you know, get to the point of attack and, and get some TFLs and all that stuff, that he's your dude, right? But that's fine. And for him not to be able to do everything, as you said, is, is not really that unusual in today's football. So I think he'll be fine. Um, he, he'll probably get a shot with the team and, and you know, be able to, to show what he's able to do, as well a lot of the other guys, right, in the, in the senior ball. And there was a lot of really impressive uh, players and plays that Ohio State alumni were able to do. I mean, Cooper, I would love to see Jonathan Cooper land with a team and have a great long NFL career. I think that would be amazing for that guy. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to like about the uh, the exiting class for Ohio State football players uh, for the NFL to, you know, kind of take a, a look at. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully they land in a good place and, and everything looks good. Um, last thing I want to say before we get to ask us anything. So we haven't gotten too much into this, but speaking of the NFL, you know, Urban Meyer, new head coach at the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. How do you, how do you project old Urban and the NFL? I've, I've been thinking about this a lot and I feel like there's one of two things that are going to happen. My, my guy's either going to end up in the hospital or he's going to win the Super Bowl. I, I mean, I feel like he's either going to be the next Jimmy Johnson or it's going to kill him. You know, like yeah. I, I, I don't foresee this being one of those things where, you know, five or six years from now, we just look at him as perennially one of these guys who is in the hunt and, and he's just kind of hanging around and, <laughs> you know, yeah. when in 10 or 12 games a season or some crazy thing like, you know, I, I, I feel like it's either going to be the most amazing thing ever. I mean, I, you know, there's a part of me that says he could absolutely be the next Jimmy Johnson. Clearly he's a smart guy, uh, you know, master of psychology, motivator, innovator, all sure. of those kind of things. Um, he's, he's dealt with, uh, professional quality talent, his, his, the entire, you know, second half of his career, you might as well say from the time he, um, got to Florida on through he's excellent point, you know, he's used to dealing with the highest quality talent. He's kind of that CEO coach, you know, he knows what it means to have an organization and have the right people around you and the infrastructure matters. Uh, I'll, I'll be really curious to see how he adapts to not being able to basically pick his own personnel through the recruiting process. I'll right. be really curious to see how he has to adapt his approach to the talent in the locker room when you're dealing with a bunch of uh, millionaire divas with personal trainers and uh, chefs and assistants and agents and so on like that. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see how he handles that transition. There's part of me that says, uh, he'll be fine. There's another part mm. of me that says he's such a micromanager. My impression is he's such a micromanager that I, I just, I wonder when you can't control that many variables in your program, he's used to being in Ohio state where you can control everything. Right. And, and he is the unquestioned, you know, emperor dictator and, uh, you know, now you're gonna, not going to have that. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious the, the, you know, the thing that everybody talks about is, uh, he, you know, he ends up, um, you know, having the, the, the problem with his, his, uh, cyst in his head then over a loss every other season or so, you know, like guy lost, what was it? Seven, eight games in as many years. Right. Um, yeah. He's going to lose that many in his first season easily in the NFL. So how does he handle losing that much? This is a guy who is not used to losing football games. I'm not sure that I think like that's the big issue. I think it's all of the other stuff. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, think it's that he can't handle a loss. I, yeah. I just wonder how he will handle 
the differences between the NFL and the college game because there just aren't that many guys who have successfully done it. And that's actually, I agree with that a lot because I, I don't think that it's going to be, he knows what the expectations are, right? He knows what's going to happen. He doesn't think that he's going to walk in and, and have an undefeated season, right? He's not going to go 12 and 0 and now, you know, in his first season, Ohio state, all that kind of stuff. He understands that this is a rebuilding project. The larger thing that I want to see is, is urban Meyer going to seed control over certain elements of what he's used to controlling particularly on the offense right he wasn't brought in a lot of these coaches are brought in from or at least historically have been brought in from college ranks because they're like okay this guy's like an offensive guru or he's a quarterback guru and he's got these ideas that are going to make a splash in the nfl he's going to be able to work with a certain player or whatever and you're going to get something really amazing out of it i i'll be honest man i don't know that urban meyer is on the cutting edge of offensive planning or you know theory or things like that to the point where he can come in with an idea and instantly make a team better he's more there to be a kick-ass motivational guy to Mm -hmm. get things organized well right to make sure that um you know institutionally they're doing what they need to do and then to like set them up for the future and figure out you know talent and things like that i don't think he's being brought in for his brilliant offensive mind um, I, I think there maybe was an acknowledgement toward the end of his tenure at Ohio State that while obviously Ohio State had great offenses, that wasn't where his forte was anymore. He yeah. ceded a lot of that control. I'm curious to see how much of that control he's willing to cede in the NFL, particularly in a rebuilding project where you're like, okay, I need to, to trust my assistants that they're going to be able to keep this thing afloat while I do other you know, more administrative stuff. That's what's going to be more interesting to me for him because I just, it really requires a lot of trust in the NFL, right? That your coordinators are really good and that you know exactly what's going to happen and that you have a good relationship with the owner and all that other stuff. Whereas you have so much more kind of dictatorial control in college football, top to bottom, where you have to worry about those relationships so much. So I know that he's bringing in guys that he trusts. I know that he bring, he's bringing in guys that he works well with. So I, I think that element of it will not be so tough for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, the real test is, is when you get to the nitty gritty and you start losing a bunch of games and, and how do you handle those adjustments that you have to make internally? So I think he has the potential to be very good. I mean, he's obviously very smart. The dude knows how to organize a successful, you know, like system. You know what I mean? Like he knows how to prime people for success. He's very good at that. And I'll bring in people who will be able to do that. Um, but you got to be able to sustain it. And the NFL, you could be looking at multiple seasons where things just aren't going well. And that's something he hasn't dealt with in his career where you get season after season of like, okay, incremental improvement rather than massive gigantic improvement year to year. He's not going to see that probably in Jacksonville. And that could be very difficult for him. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. I, I'm very curious to see how that progresses, particularly in Jacksonville and, mm-hmm. and what they try to do with their personnel and you know who they try to bring in and who they draft. That's a whole other issue. Um, but it'll be it'll be fun to watch. I'm I'm curious to see how that all plays out. Yeah, no, I mean, I like what he's doing with his staff so far. I think I think it's really interesting to see the kinds of people that he's gone after and it's and it's been a mix of guys that have been in the league and have some college ties it's a mix of guys that he knows um you know bringing kind of getting the back band back together in uh some instances where he's getting chris ash and charlie strong 
uh, end of the mix, but yep. I, I'm with you. I think it's what he does on the offensive side. You look at uh, this season, uh, look at the teams in the playoffs, man, everything rises and falls on what they're able to do, moving the ball down the field. And uh, I, right. I think that's going to be a, a big one. So, you know, is offensive coordinator hire? He's made it. Is it, is it the right move? I guess, I guess we'll find out. Um, but yeah, I, I really do think it's either going to be one of those things where he's going to be extremely successful and I'd be hard pressed to bet against him because he's been extremely successful everywhere he's been from day one. So, right. you know, I, I won't claim to be the biggest Urban Meyer stan in the Ohio State fan base by any stretch, but I, I think I would be hard pressed to bet against him. I know a lot of people are just because the, the leap from the college football ranks to the league has not been one that has been successful for all that many guys over the great history of the sport. I mean, there's a very small handful that have done it. And, you know, that that probably, as much as anything, would, would lend you to say it, it's not going to work out for him. But the guy has just proven again and again and again that he can do it. So we'll right. see. Um, so we want to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. By the way, it's going to be freaking cold in the next few days, next few weeks here. So, I, you know, you still have time to buy one of our excellent winter hats. I recommend checking it out. Uh, that's drygoods.11warriors.com. Let's do some Ask Us Anything. It is uh, the best part of the show. And you can ask us anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. And, you know, again, anything, literally, literally anything that you want to ask because we love answering it. Uh, we got a question this week from our good friend, Alvin. Alvin wants to know during these COVID times, have uh, we, have you guys, us picked up a hobby? Well, I already gave my uh, recitation of the, the sourdough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I can't claim that as a hobby though. Cause my involvement pretty well ended after the science project. And I handed off the sourdough to the stunning Mrs. Vance who has, lovingly and tenderly cared for it um ever since and and i'm i'm very proud of her and the little tyke that we've kept this thing going now for 10 months and counting um nice. and and it's done well enough actually that uh, there was somebody in the neighborhood had been asking if anybody had any starter and so we actually gifted them uh you know starter to get their starter started which was <laughs> which was pretty cool so you know pay it forward uh Woody would be proud uh, hobbies otherwise you know it's funny right at the beginning of lockdown um i bought a bunch of bourbon um i you know we we, we interact with staff members uh Ramsey and Israela, maybe, maybe most of all, but, uh, yes. don't, don't, uh, let my man, Chris Lauterbach for you. He is also an aficionado in his own right. He just also yeah. true. Absolutely. Yes. He just Low doesn't key. have a, a weekly column dedicated to the right. topic, but, but is every bit the connoisseur. So those guys kind of, uh, unintentionally or unwittingly, um, goaded me into getting into bourbon. Uh, and so the, the first several months I mixed a lot of old fashions and related bourbon based cocktails and mm -hmm. that's kind of fallen off. I'm very much a social, uh, drinker. So, you know, the whole not being around other people means I haven't been drinking all that much bourbon. So I've got some bottles in the sideboard that I probably need to need to tuck into. Otherwise, you know, no, not really. No, no new hobbies beyond that. I think everything's just been, uh, life is normal, relatively speaking, for a given quantity of normal. 
that's that's fair i you know i i'm a person who does not drink very often i do i, I do enjoy uh, you know a beer or a a snifter of bourbon or two i actually really enjoy bourbon and whiskey um i just very rarely drink it but um i you know the big thing is is that i really enjoy going to the gym have not been able to do that oh uh, yeah least. so in lieu of that i've been doing a lot more biking and you know they didn't have the Pelotonia this year, which sucks because I, I enjoy participating in that. Um, but we got a stationary bike. I've been, you know, when it was nice out, I've been going out on my regular bike and that's something I feel like that's a sustainable hobby. I mean, eventually, you know, I broke my collarbone. It's hard for me to do certain things that I used to do in the gym. I feel like the biking thing is something that can sustain me through my later years. That, that, because I hate running. Running sucks ass. I I, will, I really don't enjoy it. And I I say that as someone who did a lot of it in my younger years as like a soccer player and other stuff. Um, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. So I feel like to get the exercise, to get out in the you know the nice bits of nature and enjoy the sunshine. I think I think I really think biking is going to be my thing going forward. So I'm excited about that and trying to learn more about it and dumping ungodly amounts of money into new bikes and you know repairs and all that kind of well, i want to give you snaps for you know getting back on the horse so to speak because uh bike darn near killed you didn't that how you broke your, <laughs> isn't that how you broke your it wasn't yes i mean yes i did i did break my collarbone while riding my bike uh it was it was dumb it wasn't fun but uh it also wasn't so bad to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I sat there. I even remember after, like, I remember being on the ground with my broken collarbone and thinking, oh, this isn't too bad. Like, it's not terrible. <laughs> it's, you know, like, I, I get back on the bike again. It's not, and I had people tell me, like, you know, you'll never ride the same. Like, yeah, screw that. Yeah, I will. I, I ride exactly the same. I ride faster. It's fine. I'm not worried about it. If it happens, it happens. I stay away from dangerous roads and things like that. I don't bike on the highway or any goofy crap like that. I, I stay on the on the trails and the paths, and it's it's fine. I enjoy it. I just have to get better. My biggest thing is I pop a lot of tires. I don't know how or why. It just happens a lot, and I've got to figure that out. Uh, but once I get that down, I'm I'm cool with being one of those dudes who you know packs a backpack and and goes 100 miles or something like that. That's not going to happen anytime soon, but this hypothetical athletic Johnny in the future <laughs> might be able to achieve something like that. So I think that would be fun. That's um, yeah, it'd be cool. So thank you, Alvin, for saying that. And by the way, Alvin uh, has a, a bonus question for us as well, which is, uh, can we please get Zed on the podcast? This is oh my God. That matter. would be amazing. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Wally is, is not super, uh, excited about getting the basketball players uh, to speak to random dumbasses on with a podcast. But I will tell you, okay, this is something that people need to understand. I wrote an article about Zed Key and enthusiasm. How it's fun to watch players who are like super invested in the game and all this other stuff. I dropped in a YouTube video in my Friday post. I don't think people noticed this. That's from Zed Key's personal YouTube account. Okay. It's got a number of videos about like basketball and, you know, him going through like AAU and that kind of stuff. But if you're interested in the Zed key experience and his perspective on the world, I'm just telling you, go back to that article, look for that YouTube account and you'll get some interesting, interesting thoughts from, from one Zed key. So again, probably won't be able to have him on the dubcast. There are other alternative ways to maybe get his thoughts on life and love in the world. That's all I'm saying. Get so on the bandwagon I, you know, friends get on the bandwagon every time oh my God, the finger guns it like 
my soul sings out years, in, in happiness. Here's the other thing. In two years, he's going to be like national player of the year, right? He's going to win the Naismith, and everybody's going to be like, where'd this guy come from? And I'll be just like, ah, should have gotten on the bandwagon, guys. You were too late. And now, and now you're not his best friend, and I am his best friend. And me and Andy are going to ride his coattails all the way in the NBA. It's going to be great. So that's all I'm just saying. I'm just I'm giving you the inside info right now. Don't don't sleep on this dude. Um, so that's the dubcast for this week. Continue sending those questions in. We'll continue answering them. And uh, you know, we always love to. So it's it's great. Uh, and we'll of course see you next week. But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you then.